And good morning, Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Or as a late friend of mine, Clyde M. used to say, Clyde would say, <laughs> Exploding, Explained Phenomena. Oh, nice sound effect there. Hey, Jim Shorty's with me. That was his voice you yes, heard? Yes, that was me. And Jim, uh, say something intelligent. No, uh, never, never, never mind. Never. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's pushing it. No, tell me about your week. How's it been? Oh, well, as many of you probably know, it's been a bad allergy week. And uh, I've, I've been, since Wednesday, I've been struggling, but I'm better today. Last Sunday was the Lincoln Marathon. And uh, my voice was melodiously welcoming runners into the finish line. And uh, saw our buddy Matt Mundorf finish the half. As well as his was he crawling or he was he was upright jogging. His lovely wife Mrs. Mundorf was also running the half, and uh, so they both finished. Who was chasing who? Job. I think he was chasing her. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun. Had had a lot of runners out there on the course, and uh, just uh, awesome, awesome. Twelve thousand people. Yeah. Running like they've got a fire in their pants. (laughs) Well, some of them were, and. you know that's the fun thing about that. You can you can see people that uh, it's like oh this is just a walk in the park. You know they're not even winded after 26 miles, and those the other poor souls that uh, some of them literally have to be carried across the finish line, but they are just so determined to do it no matter what, and it's just an, it's an amazing accomplishment. I know we've got Charlene waiting here, but one more thing, Kate, you mentioned Sunday. Sunday night. Sunday night. What do we, we get? We had a actually a gust tornado, which is a weak tornado that's sp- spun up by uh, straight line winds. It basically. was an E two. Yeah, yeah, EF two uh, destroyed one business and severely damaged several others. No injuries or loss of life. Uh, jet splash car wash down there by the mm-hmm. grain bins on they, South 9th Street. They lost the roof. It curled up and was left on part of Highway 2. And, of course, the dairy suite out by uh, Pioneers Park that's been a, a fixture of there, over there for... Mom, Dad, can we stop there? Was it 40 years, the article in the paper said? The I think article had just yeah, run. Had just, just run. run. I read it. They were celebrating their 40th anniversary. Thank God those people got and, out of there uh, in time. Yeah, once, once again, no injuries, no loss of life. So so maybe we could talk later about this idea of Lincoln being in a bowl. And if, if so, uh, where are the rims? Would that be one of the rims out there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But we've got, we've got Charlene standing by we, here. We so. do, or sitting by, as it were. Charlene, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, tell us about activities at the Capital Humane Society. Tales and Trails will be next Saturday at the Fallbrook Town Center. We're very excited. Uh, please go to our website at capitalhumanesociety.org to register to be part of the event. Um, it's a fun day. It's an important fundraiser, so we hope a lot of people will come out and join us. Jim's got it sort of uh, in our computer here, so I typed in C-A-P, bingo, it popped right up. (laughs) Okay, that's next week. I know, it comes so quickly, and we always are glad that it happens and appreciate all the support. So we were just talking about the severe weather last Sunday, and um, 
that is out towards the original location of, of uh, the Humane Society. So uh, everything okay out there? Everything's fine. We do have a lot of water in the, in the grassy area. There's a little standing water and things from all the rain. But the animals are fine. The building is fine. So we are Good. grateful for that. Good. Um, just take a moment here, if you would, Charlene. I'm going to kind of turn the tables. Uh, this is our KZUM Give to Lincoln fundraiser today. And our goal on the program is to raise $1,500. Uh, in listener donations for nonprofit, non-commercial KZUM. Um, I appreciate being able to talk with you every Saturday morning in the hopes that we talk about dogs and cats for adoption and we pique interest out there. And uh, I know what having a pet has meant to me. So in turn, uh, what can you say good in two words or less about us? <laughs> appreciate your support. Um, you do such important work. Like you said, pets improve our lives. They're just wonderful companions. And yes, uh, you get the word out. You let people know about these wonderful animals in need of homes at Capital Humane Society. And we can't thank you enough for that. Okay, this is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society. If you'd like to uh, call a pledge or a donation in, rather, it's 402-474-5086. We're looking for three people at the $89.30 level. Uh, $89.30 is the FM frequency. We're looking for three people this half hour that can jump in there and, and uh, help us out. 402-474-5086. Three people at the $89.30 level. Okay, Charlene, who do you want to talk with uh, today here? Which which breed? Do you want to do uh, cats first? Uh, cats is great. Okay. We'll do that. So we will start with Bean. <laughs> and Bean is a cutie. <laughs> Bean is hiding a little bit, but actually quite nice. Uh, she's a year old, a spade female, uh, kind of calico cat. Uh, very pretty, very bright, ready to find a loving home with people who will provide excellent care. Boy, Jim, look at the eyes here on Bean. Beautiful uh -huh. eyes. Wow. Yeah, beautiful, alert, nice sparkle in them. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Bean is a good-looking cat, and Bean's got a buddy. That buddy is? Dutch. And Dutch has very handsome tabby swirls. He's about two years old, a neutered male, a domestic short hair. He was a stray and is ready to put those days behind him and be a cherished companion. So if you love tabbies, you'll want to ask about Dutch. Yeah. Look at that cool cat. Yeah. Great markings. Wow. Nose, he's cool. Yeah, yep. Dutch, cool. Is, Dutch is exactly saying that. I'm, I'm cool. Take me home. I'm, I'm beautiful, adore me, I know you love me. <laughs> Dutch, take a look at these pictures of Bean and Dutch at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Uh, we've got two great cats, and there's a third coming up. That would be Mr. Gray, and he is an 11-month-old neutered male Siamese mix. He has the uh, link point markings and blue eyes. He's very athletic and strong, wants to play and play, so is looking for a fun family. Ooh, that's kind of an interesting-looking cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sort of the markings there on the, on the front forelegs and then on the, on the flanks there. 
Yeah, Mr. Gray, being part Siamese, may or may not have the ability to run sideways on the walls down a hallway. Uh, I think he probably does. He's very agile. I, I had a, 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 one of my cats was Siamese, and uh, Jasmine could do that. She could get up ahead of steam and just run from the floor right up the wall and come back down. It was amazing. Cool do that? <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Gray, Dutch, and Bean, three great cats. And here's Charlene with hours open today and tomorrow. We are open at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. Okay, time for dogs for adoption. And we have great dogs looking for homes, too, starting with Morticia. And she is a 13-year-old rat terrier, very spunky and sweet, is just looking for a lap to call home. Uh, she would love to find a calm environment with people who provide her with lots of love and care. Uh, again, very bright and ready to be your best friend. Morticia, interesting name. Uh-huh. And uh, she's got a very alert visions. She's looking at the photog photographer with her ears up. Boy, is she, she's looking for something. Yeah, <laughs> she is smart. Maybe a next best friend. Look at Morticia's picture, and she's followed by... Bo. And Bo is a very big and happy dog. He weighs 88 pounds. He's a Bernese Mountain Dog oh, Lab dog. mix. Yeah, very, very handsome. Big smile on his face. Uh, can be a little shy at first, but wants very much to trust you and just play and fetch and have a great time. Great looking dog. Take a picture, uh, take a look rather at the picture of Bo, B E A U, at capitalhumanesociety.org. And our third dog is Willow. And Willow is a Labrador pit bull mix, a spade female, about a year old. Interesting has beautiful, markings. yeah, brindle markings. And it doesn't show on this picture, but one of her ears goes up and then over a little over the top of her head. It's absolutely adorable. We have to get a picture of it. Uh, but she's a very smart dog. She knows sit and shake. Uh, mm -hmm. She's looking for a home without kids because she can be pretty shy and a little nervous when first meeting people. But once she gets to know you, she's just really, really affectionate. Willow be my friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Willow's a good-looking dog, and she does know the command there for, for shake because look at her picture. She's got her paw yep. raised. She's yep. ready. Uh, great dogs for Morticia. How about that name, Jim? Morticia. Morticia. Wow. Bo and Willow, three great dogs. Their pictures are at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And Charlene, remind us again about hours open. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 530. Okay, Charlene, thank you for your, your kind uh, uh, recommendation for people to support us. We appreciate that. And in turn, thank you so much for what you do out there. And I'll be looking forward to talking with you next week. Oh, we're very grateful for your support. Thank you. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. Uh, we've got uh, a special $25 gift card from Laszlo's. Huh. If my kids would be listening right now, their ears would have perked up immediately because we've had many great meals at Laszlo's. So if you donate uh, $200 or more, Besides the other thank you gifts, you'll get this $25 gift card. As I said, we're also looking for three people at $89.30.
and we'd love to have um, uh, at least two of those people be from outside Lincoln, from folks listening right now, someplace around the world. Uh, $89.30 is the program, of course, the program that you've been listening to for weeks, months, or years, and we believe it's worthy of your support. Three people at $89.30, we're looking for that right now. We'd love to hear from you. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. When you switched on KZUM for the first time today, in your car, in the kitchen, or on your phone, what were you expecting? We were probably brought here in search of something different, something more meaningful, more entertaining, and more local than you'll find on the rest of the dial. A resource like this is only sustainable when the people who use it support it. Think about having space like this available, which speaks to what's important to you and to this community. Preserve it now by making your gift at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or kzum.org. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This does not happen without you. KZUM is listener supported, meaning that the station is unable to count on the lucrative advertising dollars that commercial stations do. Instead, the authentic voices, the meaningful music, and the interesting and important information that you rely on KZUM for only makes it thanks to the listener support. Please don't leave it up to the next person. Do your part by becoming an active listener and donating now at kzum.org or 402-474-5086, extension 1. That phone number again for your support, your donation is 402-474-5086. Uh, Jim, thinking back over the years, uh, can you think of a program that was memorable for you? Of so many of the guests, you've been here for hundreds of conversations. I, don't know, I thought you were going to say hundreds of years. <laughs> uh, well, gosh, it's hard to say. They're all all so great. Um, I would say Charles Hall is one of my perennial favorites. Yeah, with Paula Harris, uh, our friend and colleague. Paula helped us break that story mm-hmm. uh, on the show. Uh, Charles Hall being the uh, ex-Air uh, Force guy that in the mid-1960s was a weather observer stationed out of Nellis Air Force Base. And uh, he was on temporary duty assignment at Indian Springs. Mm-hmm. So he would uh, wake up at O-Dark 100 and drive out to one of, I think, four weather stations. The farthest is about 40, 45 miles north of Indian Springs, clear out in the boonies. And this is a very secure uh, military reservation, so signs are posted. Nobody else is out there. And uh, uh, he had the beginning of what he thought was some sort of a stress-induced breakdown because he, he started seeing things they thought he, he was going nuts. Couldn't believe, and mm-hmm. they got closer and closer, and then he began having face-to-face contact with a race that he calls the Tall Whites. And uh, 
for, I believe, about 18 months uh, on almost an every other day basis, he was experiencing this. So mm -hmm. he's written a series of books called the Millennial Hospitality Series. And on the website that we've got, uh, we've got, uh, let's see, eupradio.net. We've got six of those programs archived. And if you scroll down and look at the menu, you'll see that, uh, that favorites. Yes. So uh, he would also be one of my, my favorites as well. Mm -hmm. um, back in the, uh, the old days, gosh, we started at 10th and Q in a brick building without air conditioning. And um, on a sweltering Saturday morning in July or August, um, we would emerge basically drenched, even with a fan trying to just circulate, you know. Yeah, that was before my time. 90 plus degree air. Uh, <laughs> I, we, I don't know that I would have survived that. We moved to um, the terminal building, first in the basement, and then up to the 10th floor, uh, sort of following the trek that the old KZ, uh, 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 rock station KFMQ made. Mm -hmm. And we took over their former studios. Great view. I um, remember that. And uh, we were, during both of those locations, blessed with support from people. And uh, then we, um, about that time, towards the latter part of our stay there, uh, somebody said, gosh, let's put us on the internet. Do you think there's any, any reason to do that? And some of the board of directors said, no, not really. Some said, oh, I think it's a great idea. Uh, and now, of course, we just consider that commonplace. Mm -hmm. it's so just, it's something you do. If we clicked on our listener map right now, Jim, we'd see people listing from all over the world, uh, Germany and, and, uh, and other places. So we appreciate your support out there. Um, we've just talked a little bit <clears throat> briefly about some of our locations. We're now at 48th and Calvert in Lincoln. Uh, this was actually designed for us. It's a beautiful studio. Yes. Uh, we've had this last week here, Jim, we've had uh, a band down here mm -hmm. playing live in the studio and uh, doing some guest karaoke. So uh, we appreciate your support in so many ways. You folks know what the program means because you've been listening for weeks, months, or years. Uh, it's something that you've come to enjoy, to trust for the information that we share, the many, many guests from around the world that we call each and every week. And uh, the program style is a little bit different because we don't have any place on the uh, air console a fear button. So we don't uh, induce fear, we don't promote fear, and I contrast that with all due respect to some other podcasts and radio shows that tend to have people on trumpeting that the end is near and, and that the aliens are here to eat us and, you know, the cookbooks are being circulated. <laughs> and uh, all that, I think, is uh, designed to try to capture an audience by promoting you know, fear. It's like the guy that stands up and yells fire and uh, almost a carnival uh, broker, if you will. We don't, we don't do that. Uh, we're sort of down to earth. We like to think of our show as having a cup of coffee with our guests that may be in the same state, may be in the same country, they may be someplace around the world, but we have a chance to go off on tangents. Um, hopefully it's been meaningful conversation over the years to many of you, and that's why you're here right now. So. The reason why we ask you to donate instead of 
listening to a commercial station is, first of all, you couldn't get this on a commercial station. Mm -hmm. And secondly, this show is the world's longest-running paranormal talk radio program. We were around when people thought this was really, really bizarre stuff. And if you stick around long enough, some of this begins to be almost mainstream. So we broke topics here that others uh, are just now realizing and covering. We've been on the air since 1984, and we appreciate very much over the years your support, and we're asking for it now. And there's a couple of really valuable things that happen. Uh, again, we're looking for three people at that $89.30 level. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, call a pledge in. Uh, $89.30 is our uh, FM frequency. The phone number is 402-474-5086, extension 1. That number again is 402-474-5086, extension 1. So there's a couple things that get triggered. The first off is that this is a Give to Lincoln fundraiser. So the money that we accrue from Lister donations goes into the great big pot of Give to Lincoln, and we get a percentage then of about $440,000. Yeah. So if we do great with Lister donations, we get a higher percentage of those funds then. Right. So that's one thing that your donation helps trigger. The second is, is that the Corporation for Public Broadcasting is a large entity that gives out grants to radio stations, but you have to prove that you're viable. Yes. And so uh, we have to be able to raise an excess of $300,000 every year to prove that we are viable. And again, with your donation, folks, at $89.30, you help trigger that. You'll help us move towards achieving that goal so we can get some funds from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Uh, We've got uh, a great history here. We've had a lot of support. Our goal this morning is $1,500 in Lister donations. And you guys and gals can make that happen, and you can make it happen right now. Please go to the phone and or pull one out of your pocket, your purse, your backpack. And our phone number is 402-474-5086, extension 1. And if you're operating heavy machinery, just wait a bit. Yeah, just wait a bit. Um, Uh, Or you can go to the website online at kzum.org and uh, donate there. Yeah, the only caveat about that is that um, I don't want people to procrastinate. No. So it's important that if, if, that if you can take action, that you do it now, either through that website, as Jim said, kzum.org, and or by calling us at 402-474-5086. See, if you're like me, if you don't do it right away, you'll forget. And two weeks later, it's like, oh, gosh, I should do that. And you'll put it on your list, and you forget again. Okay, Jim, I, I do it all the time. This is a, a cue card here a I just pulled card. out, and there's probably, I would guess, maybe 30 of these in here. Sure. Roughly. So look what I pulled out What'd at random. Pull uh, you want to see? Yeah, read that. I'll, I'll read that. Okay, if I get it right, the right distance. <laughs> our talk shows are a great resource for news and information that affects our lives and our community. Not only do they connect you with the information and services you need, 
but the community benefits from your awareness and involvement. And that, in turn, comes back to help you again. What a wonderful circle to be a part of. That's awesome. So our talk programs, um, a lot of the programs here are music, and they're wonderful programs yep. that, that we listen to, Just all of every, us. Every genre you can imagine, yeah. I think. And so wasn't it cool that I pulled out synchronistically... Talk programming. Talk programming, and there's maybe a handful of those down yeah. here. So we are one of those. That's what we do down here is talk. And sometimes we talk with you. Sometimes we talk at you. Sometimes you in turn call us up. I don't know, Jim, if it happens to you, but I'm so many times, because we've done this for so long, I can be out someplace and I'll have a person come up and say... I recognize your voice. You're, you're on the radio, aren't mm -hmm. you? I they, that they, happen. They may not be able to say, I listen every week, but they, they recognize some association there. Mm -hmm. I have people that I wouldn't even have suspected are listeners that tell me they listen every week. And they <clears throat> talk about programs we had recently, and they name guests. So um, we're looking for three people, again, at that $89.30 level. Uh, $89.30, and you can do it so easily by giving us a call at 402-474-5086, extension 1. $60, $89.30, $120, $200 gets you a $25 gift card at Laszlo's. And so we need to make those phone lines light up at 402 474 5086. We'd love to talk with you. Coming up here is our main guest, Robin Strom. <clears throat> and Robin is the um, author of a brand new book called On the Hunt for the Haunted. I have to occasionally clear my throat because apparently. At my advanced age, I have been experiencing allergies now for about three weeks. So uh, I am medicated and hopefully uh, on, the, on the mend or towards an even keel with that stuff. So 402-474-5086. We'd love to hear from you right now. Please pull those phones out and or walk to where there, there is a phone and call us at 402 474-5086. Our main guest again coming up in just a matter of minutes is Robin Strom and the author of the brand new book, On the Hunt for the Haunted. We'll be right back after this. Hey, the voice of the blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. When you switched on KZUM for the first time today, in your car, in the kitchen, or on your phone, what were you expecting? We were probably brought here in search of something different, something more meaningful, more entertaining, and more local than you'll find on the rest of the dial. A resource like this is only sustainable when the people who use it support it. Think about having space like this available, which speaks to what's important to you and to this community. Preserve it now by making your gift at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or kzum.org. 
Your support is vital to keeping this program on KZUM and sustaining local radio in Lincoln. Public broadcasting only works when the people who use it support it. Don't leave it up to everyone else to support KZUM. Give now at kzum.org or by calling 402-474-5086, extension 1. Scott Colborn again. We think uh, three minutes of loud ads are annoying. Huh, three minutes? There are several other programs that do now paranormal talk shows. Three minutes is brief. Sometimes their commercial breaks are longer than their guest segments. Guest segments may be six to eight minutes. Commercial breaks can be sometimes eight to ten minutes in length. I think I've gotten up to counting nine or ten before I've just said, geez. So we don't, knew, we don't do the three minutes of loud ads. As a nonprofit station, it's illegal for us to sell advertising. We get our revenue from underwriters who contribute significantly to our funding, but they can't do it alone. There's a bunch of you folks out there that make up our uh, income stream as listener donators. And we'd love to have you folks join the great businesses that support KZUM, who've declared their support for the station, who've written checks to us. We'd like to have you also join them and make a donation right now. Today, we'd like to thank La Paz Mexican Restaurant as being our food sponsor today on May 11th. And uh, what a great place that is. La Paz Mexican Restaurant, thank you so much for your support. 402-474-5086. The guy or gal across the street washing their car right now uh, won't call that donation in. Your Aunt Nellie in Pittsburgh, who's out shopping, she won't call it in. So if you're listing right now for weeks, months, or years, it's really up to you to decide if you want to uh, continue this sort of programming. And if we enjoy um, or should enjoy your support. As I've always said down here, I wish that I had the, the magic words to be able to reach into each of your hearts and to help you understand that, that when you give to something that you believe in, that there's an energy that comes back to you. Uh, that's the way the universe is imprinted. So when you support something that you really believe in, that energy comes back to you in more than equal measure. And uh, it's not a situation where it's, gosh, one of lack, where you think, oh my God, I've got to have coffee money, I've got to have parking money, and uh, then you uh, start to say, Josh, I can't do that. This is actually a wonderful radio experience that when you support us, it comes back to you in full measure. And there are guests galore that we've had on over the years that we'd um, not been able to if we had this program on another station. So 402-474-5086. We'd love to have you call us right now with a listener donation. 402-474-5086. We've got a phone ringing here. And we thank you very much. Let's get a few more ringing, 402 474 5086. 
back in the terminal building. We were doing a show one morning, and I had a gentleman on whose interest was in alien bases on the planet Earth. And so at about the halfway mark, I said, tell us about your research into underground alien bases. Bingo. At that utterance, the radio station went off the air. So I kept recording, kept talking to our guest. Bill Hamilton is the gentleman's name. Bob Malmquist was the engineer at that time. He happened to have been listening in the car to the station, heard us go off the air. So he drove down and he manually restarted. Which one, Jim? Okay. So he uh, manually restarted the radio and we got back up on the air. And so after the show, I pulled Bob into the production studio and I recorded just a brief interview with him. And I said, Bob, tell me what just happened. And he said, well, um, the transmitter employs power tubes. And it could be that a power tube is in the process of going bad. So it overheats. The sensors pick that up and take the transmitter off the air to protect the transmitter. He said, um, when a tube does that, as it starts to cool, it'll partially remeld, if you will. And you can fire it back up. It'll last for a little bit of time and then it will go off the air again. It'll take itself off the air. So if it's a tube, we should see in the near future the radio transmitter going off the air again. That transmitter, ladies and gentlemen, operated for about 18 months before we had service on it. So it wasn't a power tube or a component malfunction. The second alternative is that Bob said there could have been a brief uh, power interruption and or a power surge. He said you would have noticed that in the air studio because the lights would have flashed and you had things running on the audio rack that when they were starved for electricity, they would have quit working. Did you experience any of that? And I said no. We, in fact, we had a cassette a player recording the, the program that kept running. No lights flashed. So we ruled that out. And he said the Third alternative is that somebody physically came into the transmitter room, took it off the air, put it back on the air, and that interruption then triggered that transmitter to go offline. We had to keep that room open because of fire codes to allow the firemen to be able to get in there. Even though the building was a quote-unquote secure building available or only entered with a key card locked on the weekends, the fourth alternative is that somebody or something triggered that transmitter at a remote distance. And so this is part of the, the history of our show. Uh, for weeks and months after that, I tried to say alien underground bases as many times as I could to see if we could trigger again that sequence of events. It, it, it didn't happen again. Uh, does anybody else find that curious, that you'd have an utterance of specific words that would result w within seconds, bingo, the transmitter going off the air. And so was there a message there? 
maybe the message was is that somebody wanted to mess with us a little bit to poke or prod us and uh, maybe the message is also that if you value the sort of programming that can cause people to want to take us off the air you may want to make a donation as I affectionately say stick it to the man so if you value the free expression of ideas and uh, these conversations we've had that have been of such interest to so many of you over the years, if you'd like to stick it to the man, please call us with a donation at 402-474-5086. I would add if you want I would add if you want to hear more stories like that, that's, uh, that's real stories that we get here on, on KZUM. And speaking of stories, I think we have our guest on the line. Okay, this is Robin Strom, and Robin is the author of a brand new book called On the Hunt for the Haunted. Robin, good morning to you. Good morning. Robin, where do we find you this beautiful morning? Uh, in, in Salton, Delaware. <laughs> I think I just woke the dog up. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have you speak right in the phone there, Robin. We've got a little bit of a okay. low, low audio here with you. So you're in Delaware, and are you born and raised in that part of the United States? No, actually, I'm from the Midwest originally. I'll be darned. Yeah. So it was probably either love, business, or money that drew you to Delaware, right? <laughs> Something like that. Um, actually, I was in the Navy. I was a journalist for the Navy. And my last duty station was Washington, D.C. So we just kind of stayed on the coast. Mm-hmm. Now, you're the founder and director of the Delaware Paranormal Research Group and the author of a previous book, Anatomy of a Ghost. This leads to the question, what got you interested in the paranormal, Robin? Well, um... It's always kind of been a lifetime um, interest, actually. Um, you know, even as a, as a young girl, I was always interested in ghost stories. I had a girlfriend, and we would stay up all night and tell ghost stories uh, until we were so afraid to go to sleep that <laughs> we would have to sleep on the floor in her parents' room. Um, but they were always just stories to me. I didn't actually ever have a paranormal experience until I was in my 30s when we moved into our first home, uh, which was an old Victorian in Pennsylvania. And uh, I saw a child apparition on our first night in the house. And um, it was kind of the, you know, the thing that sparked me to believe that they were something beyond just stories because I'd never had anything happen like that before. So, um, as I say, it was, it's a lifelong interest of mine um but it became real at that point and uh that kind of sparked my interest in the paranormal nothing beats personal experience does it no it makes non-believers believers very quickly mm -hmm. and you intellectually when you are providing assistance to other people you try to help them rule out prosaic natural explanations so for example Absolutely. 
there could be, Robin, a branch that brushes against the siding that during a storm or a high wind makes a moaning sound, right? Right, or a scratching sound, absolutely. Yeah, I had, uh, we had this incredible building, the state capitol here in Lincoln, and uh, the roof of the law library during high wind or storms, oftentimes people in the law library would hear a moaning sound. And they always thought this was either deceased Nebraska state legislatures <laughs> that were, were moaning <laughs> about politics or something and or attorneys that, you know, it didn't go well for them and they're still hanging around the law library. Well, I happen to know the gentleman that cared for the copper sheathed roof, Stan Krause. And Stan said that the moaning was caused by the sheets of copper that were being influenced by the wind and they would rub against each other, creating this moaning sound that was heard down below. So we always rule out the prosaic and the natural. And Absolutely. what we have left then is what you and I and so many people listening are interested in. Why do you suppose people are interested in ghost stories anyway? Well, a lot of them are interested in it because they've lost someone. You know, I, I have a lot of those inquiries. We saw this strange um, light on the wall. I had a gentleman the other the other day come into my office and <laughs> tell me about this strange light that he saw on the wall. Well, this woman was talking about her deceased husband, and he said, "Do you, do you suppose that was her deceased husband?" And I. You know, and I said, no, it was probably a reflection of light off of something. Um, but, you know, that, that they have an interest because they've, you know, a lot of them have lost someone and they want to believe that the strange things that the, that are occurring are their deceased loved ones. And very often they don't want to hear that, <laughs> that it was a light reflecting on something and throwing the light on the wall. So, uh, you know, they have a vested interest in it. So, um, and they're very, it's very hard sometimes to convince them that it's completely normal or natural um, because they don't want to know that. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, they have a vested interest in believing that it's something paranormal. Mm-hmm. The, uh, mm-hmm. the number of reality TV shows that focus around the paranormal in the last 10 years have just really blossomed. Uh, it seems like, they have. Yeah. like every network has got at least one show. And um, I've talked with some of the people that do those programs. Um, ethically, I want to sleep at night. So if a producer said that I had to jazz something up to make it more interesting, in other words, I had to create a false narrative. I don't know that I would do that. What about you, Robin? If the producer said, look, this just isn't interesting enough, we gotta kinda spice it up, we want you to to say that your hair's being pulled or that somebody punched you, and when that didn't happen, would you go ahead and do that? No, um, and that's partly because, uh, partly why I'm not on television, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, the shows have really been, as you say, blossoming. Um, you know, the number just increases every year. And the cases that they are seeking just increase in um, volatility, you know, to the point where, you know, everything on, on one show in particular, everything has to be a demon, you know. And <laughs> in 12 years of investigating, I've never investigated a case. Uh, of that nature, and I don't know anyone that has actually. So um, they're, you know, I'm not saying demons don't exist, but they're very rare. But if you watch those television shows, you think there's a demon behind every door. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, as you as you say, I, I don't do that because I need to go to sleep at night myself, you know, with a clear conscience. So, um, in fact, one of the people that. Um, evaluated my book um, and did a um, wrote an evaluation about it said um, you know she's she's very creditable she comes across as very honest but I just but I wish her cases had been you know more spectacular because they, they seemed rather boring to me and I'm like well they may be boring because they're real <laughs> you know I'm giving real information mm-hmm. about what we found and what we discounted and um they're still shockingly, um, you know, it, if you consider the fact that they're actually real, <laughs> they're still really interesting. But, um, but as I say, the, the television, television producers have just been upping the ante so much mm-hmm. that the real is becoming prosaic, I guess. So, We've got Robin up. We've got a top-of-the-hour break coming up here, but before we go to the break, I'd like to have you talk to us about the difference in your view between a ghost or a spirit. Are they one and the same, or is there a difference? I don't really differentiate between ghosts and spirits. I um, I usually break them down as um, residuals or, or intelligent ones. We tend to go that way instead of you know, I don't, you know, don't break down, oh, this is an apparition, but that's a spirit. I, I, I don't see the difference, to be quite honest. Uh, I think if it's an intelligent haunt, then if it, it can probably manifest itself in a certain way, and then at other times produce other, you know, auditory evidence or, um, you know, smells or make knocking sounds or footsteps. Mm-hmm. But if it's a residual, it's always going to do the same thing every time. So, mm-hmm. so that tends to be the way that I break down the difference. Okay, so a residual haunt may be like the famous uh, stories that I hear from Gettysburg about people right. as sightseeing tourists that go there that suddenly uh, hear cannon fire, musket fire, they smell gunpowder, they hear men yelling. They can feel the right. earth shake because of a uh, what is thought to be horses with many men, cavalry riding by, the shouts of battle, uh, the uh, rebel yell, the Yankee huzzah, and uh, then all of a sudden it goes back to being just a regular, regular day or regular night. So those people just experienced a residual haunting. Yeah, for the for the most part, and I would say a lot of bat- battlefields, but uh, Gettysburg seems to be one in, in particular that, that trapped a lot of that energy. 
In fact, my um, my executive, um, my co-director rather, uh, was at Gettysburg one day, and uh, she was looking over one of the monuments, and her husband was standing right behind her, and she bent over reading the monument, and she distinctly heard the sound of horses running by, mm-hmm. uh, and she you know, she quickly looked up. Um, they have a lot of reenactments there, but she quickly looked up and looked around. There was no horse. Oh, so she yeah. Had, yeah, so she had heard something that, you know, was was residual probably in nature. Rob and I have talked to a former park ranger that worked there at Gettysburg, and he's uh, collected stories, for example, of people pulling into a parking lot, walking over to one of the, the battlefield sites, and observing what they think are reenactors, um, rebels and Yankees, in skirmish lines advancing towards each other. They see puffs of smoke. Uh, weapons are being fired. They can hear people yelling. And after a while, they watch this. And uh, as they leave the park, they stop by a ranger station and say, you know, we were over at uh, Little Round Top earlier today, and we watched the reenactors, and it just was so real Wow, congratulations. And the park ranger says, thank you for coming to Gettysburg, but you should know that at Little Round Top, we didn't have any reenactors today. Yeah, I've heard those stories too. Well, Robin, I tell you what, I've read your book on the hunt for the haunted, and there are a number of places that I would like to visit. Quite frankly, there are a couple of places that I don't want to visit. (laughs) And so let's come back from this break and talk about some of these stories, okay? Absolutely. And, Jim, I'm holding the the cover up here. The cover is very, very striking. This is going to be one of the stories we talk about. Uh, You see basically a bonfire Uh and a chair being burnt. A chair being burnt, yeah. And then an uh... image seated in that chair. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, yeah, I see the image now, yeah. That's one of the stories coming up here. That's that's a nice cover. I like that. Okay, your special yeah, guest. Was, Go ahead, Robin. I was going to say that was one of our most spectacular investigations, and that's what the cover was uh, based on. So. Yeah, it's a great book that Llewellyn just put out, On the Hunt for the Haunted. And let's see. We've got... Um, one website link for you folks for Robin. If you type in DE Paranormal Research Group.com, that'll be one link that pops up. Uh, on Facebook, if you typed in Delaware Paranormal, or as I found, just type in Robin Strom, S T R O M. The Facebook links will pop up there for Robin as well. We're talking with our special guest, a first-time guest, Robin Strom, today on the broadcast. And, Jim, before I go to the top of the hour break here, you've got some news for us. Uh, I do. We've had some people call in with pledges. We were asking for three people at $89.30, and so what did we get? We got better than that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Randy called in for 127 Yay, Randy! Suzanne via the internet with $89.30. Oh, Suzanne, thank you so much. And Carolyn with $100. Carolyn, thank you so much. So there you go. What's our total, Jim? 
three hundred and sixteen dollars and thirty cents. Okay, so that was a that was a good break. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. We'd like to have three people at eighty nine dollars and thirty cents call us up at four zero two four seven four five zero eight six. And Jim, Suzanne said something too on her note there. Could you could she pull that sheet could up she, there? Let's see. And I I remember Suzanne. Okay. Called to express how much EUP has meant to her. Bless you all. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. So we're going to take our break now, and I'd like to have you think about that. What has exploring unexplained phenomena, listening for weeks, months, or years now, what has it meant to you? You know, I can't say all the guests we've had on. It's about 15, 1600 by this count. We started back in 1984, when a lot of you folks were just wee little ones, or maybe not even here yet. And it's been an incredible journey. I've had the privilege, as is this morning with Miss Strom, of talking with so many interesting guests, being able to talk about their life passions and joys and their research. And you folks have listened into those conversations, haven't you? Because we don't do ads, we depend upon listener donations for the bulk of our support. Please help us continue this mission of providing an alternative to a lot of the talk programs that are around. Uh, as I said in my first break, on my control console here, I don't have a fear button. We don't push that. We don't incite people through the use of fear as a way to build an audience, to maintain an audience, to, to mm -hmm. fill the seats. What we'd like to do, as we're doing this morning with Robin Strom, is present the information and have you folks listen and discern and pick up what's important for you. So do give us a pledge or a donation, rather, at 402-474-5086. It's extension one. We're looking for three more people now at $89.30. Please do make that phone call. You can start right now during the break, 402 Four seven four five zero eight six. He puts on his leathers and he says goodbye. He says, you know I love you, baby, but I got a ride. I hear the hey, the voice of the blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln. Offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. Whether it's KZUM's summer concert series at Stransky Park, soup and songs, our garden talk and nature walks workshops, the table at the farmer's market, the presence at area music festivals, we could go on and on. 
the station works hard to be visible out in the community and to put on and associate with events that matter to you. Events that inform, educate, entertain, and bring people together, just like KZUM does on the air every day. You recognize the value of a community resource like KZUM that contributes to a vibrant city. Please do your part to sustain local radio now by calling 402-474-5086, extension 1, or donating online at kzum.org. Hi, I'm Dick Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our special guest is Robin Strom, and she's the author of Anatomy of a Ghost and also the brand new book On the Hunt for the Haunted. I just got my copy and read it, and uh, boy, what a book. So, in the book, you talk about one of the most bizarre cases, Robin, that you've ever been a part of. And that, I think, features into this front cover photograph. Right. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. And I, I had to chuckle to myself, one of the protagonist's names is Scott. Now, is that uh, uh, his actual first name? Yeah, actually, that is his first name. I'll be darned. Well, uh, if Scott's yes. listening, hello to Scott there. So... Uh, you got a call from him, and it was pretty unusual. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> okay, so yeah, wh what did Scott? What did Scott uh, ask of you, or what did he say that was sufficient to get you motivated and interested? Well, Scott had called me um, two or three times left voice messages on my phone because I was at work at the time, um, and they were very um, impassioned. <laughs> he, was, um, he was very afraid, and um, what he was describing seemed to be a case of possession where uh, the former owner of the house, he felt, was taking him over sh for short periods of time uh, and manipulating his behavior. Um, the former owner of the house had been a very uh, nasty man, um, very nasty. Um, and uh, he had died. He had built the house originally uh, and died in the house. Um, and the house had actually come up for auction and got sold to Scott's girlfriend. Um, and he was helping her 
renovate the house because it was in, in pretty sorry shape. Um, and while he was in the house working on the house, he uh, was experiencing, as I say, these behavioral changes. Um, in one, well, in two cases, actually, I found out later, he um, flew into a rage against his girlfriend, threatened her to the point where she tried to leave the property. So she's walking out to her car, and he's following her and harassing her all the way out to her car. Um, she gets in the car to try to get away from him. He jumps on the hood, and he's jumping up and down on her hood and screaming at her. And then suddenly he woke up, and he had no idea what he was doing on her hood and no idea why he was screaming at her. And um, and then it happened again, apparently. Um, and that was about the time that he called us. So mm-hmm. he, he could not account or what he was doing, and he was flying into these, in the, into these rages. Um, at another point, he had um, he had gotten into a fight with his father, who actually lived next door, and uh, punched his father in the face, I guess, and then punched him off the porch, um, and had no idea why he had done that. He had he had a really good relationship with his father and nothing like that had ever occurred between the two of them. Um, and ironically, a neighbor was walking by, a neighbor that had lived in the neighborhood for a number of years. And she and her husband witnessed this altercation between the father and the son. And she said to her husband at the time, my God, that sounds just like Wilhelm, who was the former owner of the house. Mm-hmm. So she had remarked, that the it was eerily similar to something that Wilhelm had done to his own father. Um, so in, it didn't stop there. He was he was having um, strange um, reactions when he sat in a particular recliner. Uh, he would um, sit down in the recliner. He was a smoker. He said he would fall almost instantly asleep in this recliner, and he. Inevitably, he dropped the cigarette, and he was, he was leaving scorch marks. And he was oh my worried about, goodness! Yeah, he was worried about the fact that he was going to burn himself, you know, burn himself and the house down. Um, and he started to um, have these strange physical maladies. He said his hips would hurt, and his knees would hurt, and his eyesight was going really dim. Um, and, but it only happened when he was in that house. He'd go next door to his father's house, and he'd be physically fine. And he was a younger man. I'd say he was in his late 30s, maybe early 40s. So there's no accounting for the fact that he was having these strange physical um, ailments. And then, it, But it turned out that Wilhelm had been in a wheelchair for the last few years of his life. He was a diabetic who was apparently not keeping with his diabetic treatment, so he was um, going into these diabetic comas. The recliner happened to be his um, favorite spot to sleep. I don't think he slept in his bed anymore. In the final years of his life, he slept and spent most of his days in this recliner. So, um, so the and he was blind because he was, you know, as I say, a severe diabetic, and so he had gone nearly or completely blind by the end of his life. So mm-hmm. these, there were strange, very strange similarities between what was happening to Scott and what had been reported about the late 
we came in and we did uh, an initial walkthrough um, because, you know, as I say, Scott was very, very afraid. Um, he was, they were also seeing things and um, experiencing things, but the, but it was the mood swings and the strange ailments that, that really were concerning Scott. So, was um, Louise, in, Louise had bought the home to renovate it. Right. Uh, was she experiencing physical, psychological shifts as well? Yes. Um, Scott often reported that she would have strange mood swings. Um, and he said, it's a really complicated case because mm-hmm. there's, there's three different spirits involved. But there was a Victorian apparition that Scott saw almost nightly. And he said that she had a very stern demeanor, really high cheekbones, and she always looked like she was very angry every time he saw her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said when Harriet had these mood swings, she would inevitably seem to, her face would seem to alter. She would have the higher cheekbones. She'd be much nastier in her verbiage towards him. He said she wasn't a particularly mean person, and I met her. She's a, she's a real sweetie. Um, he said, but she would have these mood swings and she'd be much meaner and her cheekbones would get higher and he said in particular that her pupils would shrink and expand shrink and expand and shrink and expand and he'd be sitting there watching her and watching her eyes go in and out and in and out and in and out and have the higher cheekbones and have the whole mood swing thing going on um so he couldn't account for those changes Mm -hmm. but then one day in particular he found her on the floor in the back bedroom, and around her were a bunch of watercolor paintings on um, on your basic brown paper, you know, the, the kind of cheap paper that you buy for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they looked like they were the drawings of a five-year-old. You know, there was a, um, there was a rainbow on one of them, and then, like, scribbling words on, an- on another, and sometimes just, just marks you know, with a, that looked like a paintbrush, just, just markings with color. So we found her with these paintings all around her. They're, neither of them have children. She had a granddaughter, but the granddaughter lived in California. So she, you know, the granddaughter was, was not the one that painted these paintings because she's not even in the state. Um, and, he, and she's humming to herself. And he says, you know, Louise, what are you doing? And she's like, nothing. And she kind of came to, and she didn't know where she was, really. And um, a, she was um, an amputee. So from, from one of her legs, from the knee down, um, she was she had, you know, she wore a, um, a prosthetic. Um, so um, she got around quite well. But getting down on her knees in particular was apparently very difficult for her. Mm-hmm. So um, he, helped, he helped get her up and um, took her to another room. And then he came back in and he was looking at the paintings. And he went over to the, there was a jar with, you know, children's brushes in it. She kept these things for when her granddaughter did come to see her. Um, and he went over to the paintbrushes and he felt them. And sure enough, they were wet. So and she had no memory of, of doing the paintings. She had no memory of doing the painting. And when I asked her, because, you know, I did eventually meet her and asked her, she 
even know. I, you know, I, I had no idea how those paintings got there or what I was doing on my knees in the back bedroom, humming to myself. So there were definitely some very, very odd things going on. Robin, uh, when we come back from our break here, tell us about um, what you brought into this investigation, how you went about it in terms of some of the technological uh, things that you employ. And um, uh, uh, we can stay very, very general because my my goal is to not try to, to pin you down on detail, but to really give the listeners a flavor for what you and your team uh, does. And uh, then we'll talk about maybe um, the burning of the chair. Okay. This is Robin Strom. And uh, Robin, when you are not researching uh, the paranormal, what do you what do you do? What's your profession? Uh, well, actually, I'm doing a couple of different things at the moment. I uh, mm-hmm. I'm teaching English at a local community college. Thank you for I doing so. Do, uh, oh, thank you. And I also do videography for uh, a manufacturing company in the mm-hmm. area. Okay. The brand new book with that really interesting, provocative cover. When I first looked at that, Jim, I saw basically the fire. Yeah. And then I saw the chair. It looks like it used to be a comfy chair. Then I saw the image of the person there seated in the chair. A very striking cover. It's the brand new book by Robin Strom, S-T-R-O-M, On the Hunt for the Haunted. And if you type in Robin Strom, you're going to find uh, several links for her, including uh, D-E, the letters D as in David, E as in Edward, paranormalresearchgroup.com. You'll also find Robin Strom on Facebook. Weeks, months, or years. A lot of you folks have been listening for quite a while now. Maybe even uh, moved away from Lincoln through the, the miracle of the Internet now. We have folks that were once in Lincoln that have moved to another part of the world, and they can still listen to all the great programming on nonprofit, non-commercial KZUM. A lot of you folks are listening right now from outside Nebraska. Maybe it's, it's really hard to know where Nebraska is on the map. Our website allows you to listen any place in the world. The technology and maintaining that isn't free. And to keep offering the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena show worldwide and KZUM and all the wonderful other programming, we need your help. We're looking for three more people at that $89.30 level to give us a donation. This is the KZUM Give to Lincoln fundraiser. We're at 402-474-5086, extension 1. My mother, Gentry Colborn, said, Scott, I think you do a pretty good job, but you don't give the number often enough. Because people, if they're doing something, they can't remember that number one time. So uh, on behalf of and in memory of my late mother, Gentry, that's why I utter this number so many times now. <laughs> 402-474-5086, extension 1. Jim said earlier that you can also use 
the online portal, kzum.org, to send us a donation. We're looking for three more people at that $89.30 level. $89.30, that's 89.30. That's our frequency on the FM dial. You'll also be listening at kzum.org. So three more people at $89.30. Maybe you want to give us $120. Um, we're looking for a person at 200 that's going to get that Laszlo gift card. And our phone number again is 402-474-5086. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorney, and our special guest is Robin Strom. We'll be right back. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Special thanks to KZUM Fund Drive sponsor, The Coffee House, offering baked eats and a range of espresso and coffee drinks. More info at thecoffeehouselnk.com. I'm Casey Cargus. I'm the executive director of the Mediation Center. We are very fortunate with Cause Collective and with the Mediation Center to be proud supporters of KZUM. It's very unique uh, for us to have the access that the nonprofits do to this uh, radio uh, to get out to our community, what's happening within our community to keep us updated. Uh, it's a wonderful way to promote uh, projects like Give to Lincoln Day or uh, organizations like the Mediation Center. So I continue to give to KZUM because I know it's important for us to be together as a community. It's a great way uh, to get our voices out and continue to do great things. So continue to support KZUM. Give to Lincoln and give to KZUM now at kzum.org or 402-474-5086, extension 1. Hi, I'm Dick Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and here's Jim with an update. Okay, we had Aaron call in with a uh, donation of $89.30. So, and you want the total, I'll bet. Aaron, thank you so much. We sure appreciate that. That puts us at 405.60. Okay, we're looking now for uh, two more people at $89.30, and that's the frequency of KZUM. Nonprofit, non-commercial radio. And we'd love to have you uh, donate. There is a reciprocity that happens. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you believe in something and you give, you receive back in other forms energy in return. 
So it's not like you go into a lack mode because somehow you've been um, shortened, you have less than. It's actually that when you tithe or when you give, the universe has this wonderful way of having things come back to you. So we've been here now for over 34 years broadcasting the show. Uh, it's the world's longest-running paranormal talk radio program. In addition to our show, we have the best blues block of any, any, any station that I'm aware of Monday through Friday. And these programs are legendary. Every afternoon, Monday through Friday, you can kick on KZUM either through the Internet and or the, the FM frequency and hear uh, hours of great blues. I had a late friend of mine uh, that lived outside of Chicago, and Pete Galati was his name. Pete became a listener donator to KZUM, and he said, Scott, you've got better blues than any Chicago stations. And that's something. And that's something, that's yeah. right. So, uh, Jim, I want to uh, say again, I thank you very much for you being here. Well, thanks for having me. This the show is almost always so much fun to do, and I always say it's the best job I've ever had that I don't get paid for. Yeah, you so, get your uh, payback in some other. It's other a lot ways. of fun. To get to talk to some interesting folks, some people that I would never get a chance to interact with in my daily life. I mean, uh, Rosemary, Paula, Preston, mm -hmm. Lloyd. Uh, those the list goes on. And this conversation with Robin Strom, let's get back to that. Let's here. do that. Uh, one last time, 402-474-5086, extension 1. We'd love to hear from you. Two more people at $89.30. And thanks to Deb out there for answering yep. phones. You could make her morning by calling right now at 402-474-5086. So Robin Strom, the author of this brand new book with this gorgeous, albeit intriguing front cover, it's called On the Hunt for the Haunted. We're talking about one of the most bizarre cases that she's ever investigated and once she was contacted by Scott, the, one of the protagonists, uh, then Robin, you assembled a team. And what did you intend to do on your first visit? Well, um, after the walkthrough, we uh, scheduled an investigation. And um, we basically come in with a lot of equipment. Um, we try to do things scientifically. Um, so um, we had a team of three that night. It was a small house, and we brought a surveillance camera system. We have a four-camera surveillance camera system. Um, we have several uh, video cameras that are handheld. Um, they all shoot in um, IR infrared, which is the which is the, the low light um, spectrum. Um, we had uh, myriad audio recorders, and we tend to put them in one in each room as well as the video equipment. Um, we have several devices that um, take myriad types of, excuse me, um, environmental um, readings. So we have EMF detectors, of course, um, but we also have barometric pressure gauges. Um, I even have a compass that I can whip out and and, you know, test the environment and see if anything strange is going on. Um, uh, we, um, I have what's called an eddy meter, which is a, which is a device that I really like. Um, it's a, kind of a combination data logger. 
that um, takes uh, barometric pressure, um, EMS, um, also vibration, uh, temperature. Of course, we're always looking for those cold spots or hot spots. And it, it records all the data in a, in a location throughout the night, and then I can look at it on a graph on my computer. So it's a really handy device. And it also has alarms that will go off, you know, if something um, goes intensely, um, you know, changes intensely, it'll, it'll sound an alarm or, or show a show of light, and you can kind of watch as mm-hmm. things are going on. Um, we have REM pod devices, which, you know, basically has a static electricity type of um, cloud around it, and if it gets broken, then an alarm sounds, so you can, you can know that something is manipulating the devices. Um, so we came in there, um, and we set basically all the stuff up. There's, you know, there's a, a ton of stuff to set up um, in pretty much all the rooms that had activity reported. Um, and then we, um, we hit the record button, and uh, we did some walkthroughs, um, the EVP sessions, and we do observation sessions, you know, see if we can just sit quietly in a room and see if anything changes. Um, and we kind of alternate those with, with EVP sessions where we're actively trying to engage something into talking to us or showing themselves or uh, making a sound, that type of thing. Um, so that's kind of the way we handle it. And then we record throughout the night. And then there's there's a ton of um, footage that we need to, um, to look at and listen to. Robin, what's the so, what's the device or the instrument that that you can employ where you can actually aim that and get a a, a temperature readout? There's there's a I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was this property I believe it was where you and the group are inviting the spirit or ghosts that may be present. To affect that, you're you're looking at the device, and it begins to drop. Oh, you're talking about my uh, my temperature gauge. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I I didn't employ that that particular gauge that night, but um, yeah, I I have it's basically just an I um an IR temperature gauge, um, which actually. You're not supposed to use on investigations. You're supposed to use an ambient temperature gauge. But uh, I bought it before I knew it better. But um, I've found that um, on certain cases, I can take that handheld IR temperature gauge and shoot it at an indoor wall that hopefully doesn't have heating system or... um, or, It's AC unit, you know, that's going to affect the temperature. And then on, on a few occasions, I've been able to um, tell the entity, basically, to or ask the entity to take the temperature down. But I don't just do it haphazardly. Um, I'll direct it to take it down in half steps. So if I start at 75 degrees, for example, mm-hmm. I'll ask it to take it down to 74.5. And it will take it down, not to 74.7, but to 74.5. And then I'll ask it to take it down to 74.0. And it will take it down to 74.0 without, you know, without any, without any 
um, you know, 74.6 or, you know, it'll go to right down to 74.0 and it'll stay there and then I'll direct it down. So I've, I've had it, um, I've had this work um, numerous times. One time it was, I think it was 12.5 degrees that I was wow. able to ask to take it down. Yeah, it was amazing. And so you've got other people that are nearby that are recording a more constant temperature in the locale, whereas your device that you've aimed at an interior wall is the one that is dropping in increments. Right. In half-step increments. What do you think about the idea, Robin, that, um, that some of the effects from your team being present, but also from people like Scott from that very bizarre property, are they uh, psychokinetic in nature that they are some release of energy from the people present? Um, yes, they are, actually, I, you know, um, we did a poltergeist case. I didn't write about that in the book, but... Mm-hmm. Um, in a poltergeist, they're often believed to be not a ghost necessarily or a spirit, but a human agent that is basically having a psychokinetic temper tantrum. Um, usually, they're not even aware that they're the ones that are creating the uh, activity. Um, and it's usually an adolescent, um, and they can be really, really striking in nature. Um, and as I said, we did we did one case conference that we hosted in Lincoln, and I saw some amazing videotape of Dr. Roll 
seated in his office talking with a young woman who was uh, maybe 12 to 14, and they were in normal conversation. And so you saw that on one half of the split screen. The other camera or other screen was an adjoining room that was part of his laboratory. And there were just ordinary things on top of tables like children's toys, books, pencils, etc. And this young woman had a history of psychokinesis, things happening around her. So as she and Dr. Roll were in regular, normal conversation, there was no seances, there was no rituals, there was no trances, any, any stuff like this, just normal conversation, I'll be darned. Robin, on this other screen, you saw a pencil lift up and skitter across the table. You saw a book move. Stuff was going on in there. Just simply amazing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'd love to see that on, on video. Robin, we're going to take yes. another break here for fundraising, and when I come back, I want to ask you about um, the aftermath. If if you if you investigate to try to collect information and data, or are is your goal to help the folks? to either be rid or to move on from the the phenomena taking place and does that in, include uh, using a practice that may be referred to as smudging or cleansing and that sort of thing and then also another question I want to ask you is uh, does any of this ever go home with you our yeah. special guest is Robin Strom and this provocative front cover shows a bonfire with a chair being burnt and seated in the chair is a visage of a really stern old guy the book is on the hunt for the haunted searching for proof of the paranormal robin strom is our guest i'm scott colborne and we're going to take a um a break here jim what do you have for us i have breaking news uh, first of all, we had uh, Aaron and Margaret, of course, called in, both with uh, donations of $89.30. And our friend, Dr. Dale, are you sitting down, Scott? I am. $350. Oh, Dr. Dale. In honor of 35 years, uh, 35-year anniversary, and in memory of his sister, Patty, who was a frequent listener. Yep, God bless me. And uh, found the Angel shows particularly inspirational. Wow. So thank you, Dr. Dale. Thank you very much. Aaron and Marge, thank you so much for your generous uh, donations. And Dale, um, what, a, what an honor it is. Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. His sister Patty just passed, and um, I appreciate, Dale, you giving us a call. We've got a $25 gift card that this goes to Dale. Okay. And then, Jim, do you have a total for us here? Uh, working on it. Okay. So we're going to come right back with a total here, and then these provocative uh, questions for Robin Strom. Please do call us and help us meet our goal today. It's $1,500. We need to... Uh, about three more people at $89.30 or 120 
We'd really love to hear from you. The phone number is 402-474-5086, extension 1. Once more, it's 402-474-5086. Stay tuned for Deb uh, with a Benet Reboot. It's some Zydeco. She'll be up at 12 o'clock here. Thank you so much, Dale, Aaron, Marge, Suzanne, the rest of you. We're going to get your names here in a minute. We'll be right back. Hey, the Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska. KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. This Week in Lincoln is supported by the local venues with listings here. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. On Saturday, May 11th, the Jerry Pranksters play Bodega's Alley at 9. Nikki Calhoun is at Meadowlark Coffee at 7. Crescent Moon hosts Derek and Ella at 8. And the Zoo Bar hosts a Friendship Home fundraiser at 9 p.m. with That Old Dank Feeling, Katie Jean, Jen Marr, and Penitence. On Sunday, May 12th, the Playmore Ballroom's Country Night features Steel City and Cowboy D at 8 p.m. with dance lessons starting at 7. And Zoolarius brings stand-up to the Zoo Bar beginning at 8 p.m. That's live music happening this week in Lincoln. Want to feel a part of your community? With KZUM, you get connected to what matters. People tell us all the time that they only knew about an area concert or community event because they heard about it on KZUM. Please help make sure that this important resource stays here in our community. Give now at kzum.org or 402-474-5086, extension 1. Hi, I'm Vic Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM. Okay, we're back. Scott Colborn with Jim Shorty, and we've got an update here, Jim. Uh, we've got <laughs> we've got my left hand shaking. That's what we've got here. <laughs> Isn't that a song? Uh, yeah, we've got a total of eight forty four ninety for donations so far this morning. Thanks and to, we're not done yet. Thanks to Randy, Suzanne, Carolyn, Aaron, Margaret, and Dr. Dale. You guys are all awesome. Uh, Dale, thank you so much for your, your donation in memory of your sister, Patty. And uh, all the rest of you guys and gals... Uh, the folks that haven't called in, listen to these wonderful people again. Randy, Suzanne, Carolyn, Aaron, Margaret, Dale. Be like them. They've made a decision that they want to give us energy, and they know they're going to get energy back in return. The reciprocity, that complete full circle of the universe, that's how it works. So be like these good folks and call us at 402 474 5086. We're looking for about three more people in these closing minutes that can help us with $89.30 or $120. 402 474 
1-800-227-5086. With us is our special first-time guest, Robin Strom. Anatomy of a Ghost was her first book. She's the founder and director of the Delaware Paranormal Research Group. And the latest book with this provocative front cover is On the Hunt for the Haunted. So Robin, before the break, I asked you maybe part of the goal that you have personally for people that call you that are really experiencing some problems, uh, some, some roadblocks in their life. What, what do you hope to end up doing to help them? Well, um, well, when we do an investigation, we're trying to help them um, come to, you know, some sort of closure. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, like we said in the first segment, if I, if I can go in and um, do some investigation and find a natural cause for um, something that they're not sure of, you know, then, then I help explain that. Um, mm-hmm. But if we go in and we can't find a natural cause and we do record some, some evidence of some type, whether it be video or audio um, or, you know, EMF spikes or, or that kind of stuff, um, then I can tell them, hey, there, there seems to be something in your house that, or in your place of business that, that seems to be above the normal, paranormal. So, um so I guess our mission is, is twofold. If we, if we can find a natural explanation, you know, all the better. They're going to sleep all the better. And if we can go in and we can figure out what's going on, at least they can say, you know, most of the time, most of the time, uh, my clients will come back and we present them with the evidence and we'll say, you know, we, we caught this and we caught that, but it doesn't seem to be threatening in any way. And, um, you know, we haven't been hurt. No, you know, people don't get hurt by the paranormal most of the time so um you know and they they invariably they come back and they say well you know i'm just glad i'm not crazy and thank you for you know finding out what was going on in the building so normally i mean 99 percent of the time people are just happy to to know what's going on and for us to get to the root causes of it um and then they, they tend to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the reason why I asked you, Robin, is that you know that there are other groups that just want to collect the information, but they then leave, and there is no process that they employ to try to either cleanse the house, to find what it is that's causing a disturbance, to suggest removing that um, they're only interested in just the data collection uh, and in this case <laughs> this very weird bizarre case you investigated here with Scott and Louise um, you said and correctly so a lot of this activity seems to be centered around that old recliner chair Maybe you guys should get that out of there. What happened? Yeah. What happened then? Well, um, you know, if you've been researching the paranormal, you, you come across uh, things that um, haunted possessions. And so I had deduced that this recliner that had been 
uh, you know, such a focal point of Wilhelm's life for the last few years of his life, um, maybe, you know, may have trapped some of Wilhelm or all of Wilhelm within its within itself. Um, so I suggested to Scott gently because it wasn't Scott's property, but I suggested that he get rid of the chair and see what happened. Um, and he said, what should I do with it? I said, put it out on the curb. And he said, you know, let the garbage collectors take it away. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what if someone else ends up with that chair? And I'm like, well, then we're going to get more than we bargained for. <laughs> so he, uh, he took the chair out. Um, as we were pulling out of the driveway, actually, he's he, running into the house and grabbing this old recliner and jackrabbiting across the uh, yard to the burning pit where he uh, doused it with lighter fluid and, and burned it in a big conflagration. So, um, but while he's standing out there watching this chair burn, um, he and he called his father over and they both swore that in the burning of the chair, in the flame coming off this chair, they both saw a male apparition and a small female child apparition. It seemed to be dancing within the flame. So he started videotaping the burning of the chair. Um, oh, and then he said at one point the chair burst in half, and then he saw uh, devil forms coming off the chair. So he, uh, he videotaped all of this, and of course he sent me the video. Uh, I went through the video frame by frame, um, I did see the devil's ears. I'm not sure that that didn't have a natural cause. So I think when the chair split in half, it gave a gush of oxygen down into the middle of the fire, and mm-hmm. that sent the, the flames up. But um, but even um, vi- uh, video frame by video frame, I did not see the, the male apparition and the little girl apparition that both of them claimed to have seen. But often, oftentimes, as you found and as I've observed, when what appears to be a trigger device, a piece of furniture, something, uh, an ornament, something that appears to be connected to the phenomena, when that's removed or dealt with, oftentimes it subsides. Was that what happened here? It it did. he, he was no, no longer flying into the wages. He was no longer losing himself and finding himself in odd places. Um, yeah, the, 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 the worst of the paranormal phenomena uh, after he burnt the chair. So I, I deduced that I had made the right call on that mm-hmm. one. So. Robin, uh, I want to thank you very much for being with us uh, on this Saturday morning. Uh, I know that you've got a lot on your plate with your responsibilities for work, with family, uh, and uh, with your research team. Could I ask you or impose upon you to tell the listeners that may be wanting to make a donation to our show and to KZUM Radio, maybe why they should consider doing that? Why is our conversation that we've had, why is this important? Yeah, well, that's, that's a good question. I, I would encourage you, your uh, listeners to, to make a donation because it's, it's so important, especially with the plethora of bad information and overhyped information out there in the paranormal world right now. 
um, it, it's so important to have a learned um, and truthful and careful conversation about the paranormal mm-hmm. and get real information out there. This is the hyped information that that you know drives great stuff. Um, and there are some researchers out there that are that are phenomenal and they're doing a great job. Um, you know, doing the work that, that needs to be done in the, in, in the paranormal world. And um, it's programs like yours that, that help make it happen, help keep it happening. So, That's so very thank con- you for all those That's very kind of you, Robin, to, to, to say that. Uh, and what does Robin Strom do for fun when you're not out researching ghosts and the paranormal? What do you do for, for fun? Oh, uh, I like to jog. Um, I like hiking. I'm, I love swimming. Uh, we go kayaking a lot. And I'm very. I'm a very normal person, <laughs> despite my strange proclivities. So, um, I th- I think you're normal in terms of your intelligence. I think that that's a plus for you. In all other regards, I think you're normal. I think it's great to be interested as you are in these mysteries because. Isn't one of our takeaways that they tell us more about who we are, maybe why we're here, uh, and they enlarge our sense of of consensus reality? Absolutely. Okay. And there are strange things that go on in this world that the scientific community hasn't hasn't solved yet, or mm-hmm. um, it simply ignores. But um, the normal people have strange. Things happen to them all the time, so you know we need to keep we need to keep that conversation going. Robin, please feel like you can come back here at any time. The door is open for a return visit. I want to thank you very much again for being my guest. Well, thank you for having me, Robin Strom, and you can find her on Facebook, Robin Strom S T R O M, the Delaware Research Group. You can type in to your favorite search bar, D as in David, E as in Edward, paranormalresearchgroup.com. She's the author of Anatomy of a Ghost and this brand new book with a very provocative front cover that shows the bonfire and the chair being burnt, On the Hunt for the Haunted. Folks, if you've enjoyed this show, and this exchange of ideas, please do give us a donation at this time. We're in the closing minute and a half of the broadcast. We'd love to have three more people call in at $89.30. The number again is 402-474-5086, extension 1, or online at kzum.org. That number once again is 402 472-5086. Jim, a quick rundown of the people that have called in. Okay. Big thanks to Randy, Suzanne, Carolyn, Aaron, Margaret, and Dale. And thanks to our special guest, Robin Strom. Definitely. Um, Jim, thank you very much for being here. Great fun, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Deb out here for her help in answering the phones. And she's up next with Benet... Reboot some Zydeco music. On behalf of all of us with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, thank you so much for your donations. 
God bless you all, and until next week, walk in beauty.